welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture. So (laughs) glad that you're with us again to all of our extended family, our local community. We're so excited that you are with us today. We are continuing our Revive 2020 series. We've been in this now for weeks and it's been an amazing journey of transformation. We just believe that there are areas of our life where God wants to revive our perspectives in, wants to revive our heart and our spirit. And so I'm so excited today. I have the amazing privilege of having someone that Michelle and I love dearly, have known for years now. And she is a, she's a spiritual mama. She's a prophetic voice to the nations. She's an incredible leader, woman of God, a mother, grandmother, and so much more. Rachel Hickson, all the way from Oxford, right? Oxford. Yes, that's right. In the UK, in England. So welcome, Rachel. How are you doing? doing really well it's so good to see you sean and thank you for this opportunity what's happening over there in in oxford just tell us a little bit about i mean now you know a lot of the world right now is still in this and experiencing this pandemic and we're yeah. in quarantine or we're on lockdown what's happening give us a little bit of a cole's notes version on what <laughs> you're experiencing over there in oxford right now Well, we're proud to be in Oxford because Oxford's one of the places that's really pushing the vaccine. So we, in fact, next door to me, my neighbours are working right in the Oxford Research Centre, pushing those frontiers. So we keep praying, God, supernatural breakthroughs, supernatural revelation. We want to get out. But at the moment, we can't. So we're quite severely locked down. With, this is our, I don't know, 10, 11 weeks we're going into now. So it feels like it's going on forever. We, we were locked down. I think it was the 20th of March we were told, go home, stay home. And so that's pretty well been it. Work, schools, everything, church, at home. We were allowed out once a day to go for a walk, which has to be less than an hour. And we're allowed to go out to go shopping or to collect pharmacies, or if we're sick, otherwise stay at home. And that's pretty well it. As of a few days ago, we are allowed to see one other friend as long as we keep them six foot away and we only see them in the park. They mustn't come into our gardens, backyards, near our houses. So we're still pretty shut down. Um, We've gone through Yes, be good, be good, terrified, might get the virus. And then we've gone through that to let me out, let me out and gone through, oh, well, whatever. And I think various people at different stages. Um, Impact, I mean, if you talk to people, there's the mental health issues. Some people are really struggling. And so from a church perspective, it's really bringing the good news of Jesus. It's okay, there's hope, there's a way through. And even with all this 
not able to touch even on the walk just being aware and chatting trying to engage to neighbors and people and there's always great stories that come out and some sad stories so wow. that's life <laughs> crazy life crazy life i mm. i there's good coming out of this season and there's mm. also challenges that are happening in the season and we all have a different sort of way of navigating it but ultimately i believe that god is going to take us out stronger bigger better than we were yes. before we went into this season. So I'm excited, yet at the same time, it's like uncertain. Like you guys, we don't know yeah. when everything's gonna go back to what we call the new normal. You know, yeah. we have no idea. It could be the fall, who knows what's going to happen, but we're just taking it one day at a time, adapting. Thank God for digital, uh, the digital yes. platforms that we all have access to, right? Yes. Stuff like this. Zooming around the world. <laughs> or zooming around the world, yeah. So thank you so much for being with us, I feel absolutely privileged. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but I met you back in 2008 because I was speaking mm -hmm. at a conference with you in Ottawa, local in in locally in Ottawa, yes, where right. we are planted, and we met. And you 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 were there at a very specific juncture, even in Michelle and I's life. And you've kind of been around, and you we've had you out multiple times over the years for schools and different mm -hmm. things, the School of Daniel and uh, conferences and different things and every time we just get around you we just feel so privileged to be able to glean from you pull from you you know we we see you as uh, a prophet we see you as a teacher we see you as an incredible leader but ultimately we see you as like a spiritual mama and we're just so <laughs> thankful that uh we've been able to over the years connect and uh we miss you we miss we miss seeing yes, you and this is you the closest thing. This is the closest <laughs> thing. But one of the things I loved about you when I first met you is just hearing your story. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you are like a scientist by tra by trade in a sense. Like you, yes. You were was it a biochem? Like what was your yeah education? clinical biochemistry? And so I loved um, development of assays, etc. So I have to be careful to not get too caught up in the COVID-19 and viruses and looking at antigens and proteins because it's a bit too much <laughs> <hard> my world. <laughs> and then also you, you were, from what I understand, you were Reinhard Bonnke's, one of their, his intercessors for years, right? And yeah, tell well, us about that. What was that yeah, like? Yeah, Gordon... Gordon was his international crusade director. We used to call him the out of Africa director and we traveled all over. And Suzette Hatting, who was Reinhard Bonker's main intercessor, wasn't able to travel to some of those places. So then I stood in and had the privilege of standing alongside and praying and setting up the intercession teams and counseling follow-up teams to really come and work in the harvest with Reinhardt. That's amazing. And it seems like over the years, you've had a real strong ability to network with multiple networks, multiple streams. Um, I remember hearing stories of, of God giving you platform with, with high level governmental leaders prophesying into mm -hmm. really key strategic situations. You know, uh, you've probably journeyed an interesting journey of going from the, just the analytical space only being a, a biochemist to mm -hmm. that, that prophetic individual. Cause I think there's a, a big difference. I mean, you're tapping into a different side of who you are when you're prophetic than when you're, you know, like you said, you know, uh, analyzing <laughs> proteins <laughs> and all these different yeah. things and so outside of my territory, but <laughs> you seem like a very well-balanced, strong, stable 
spiritual, you know, just woman of God. And, and you're so welcome. And now you're, you're very connected into uh, a Hillsong plant in Oxford. Yes. And I believe yeah, I love it. in one of your kids, aren't they one of the pastors yeah. or something of one of the campuses in Australia? Yeah, Nicola, our eldest daughter, who's now what, nearly 37, she's married to Tim Douglas, and she and Tim lead the Melbourne campus there, so they are busy too. And then my son David, he's 33, and he's in one of the good churches here with Dave and Karen Smith in Peterborough, but he's in the marketplace, and at the moment he's working with just trying to help Christian business actually, which he's the counter from, navigate through this season. And they're in the whole farming thing. And he just says what God's doing there. So I've got one in the marketplace and one in the ministry in Hillsong. That's amazing. And so when I look at your journey, your your journey is a journey of encountering God. Your journey is a journey of getting to know Holy Spirit. And we are one week after Pentecost Sunday right now, which yeah. celebrates and commemorates in a sense, the pouring out the birth of the church, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit mm. and, and the beginning stages of our interaction and, and the availability that all humanity has now to the Holy Spirit. And, yeah. uh, and we're just so thankful for us that we're coming out of that now and we are one week post Pentecost Sunday. And I think based upon our conversations, what you're carrying in this season, it just fits really well. And so today's title, subject title is, is Revive Life understanding the work of the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, that uh, as we wait, the Holy Spirit will come upon us and we'll receive power. We'll receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We'll receive power to be his witness. That word for power is the dunamis, explosive, uh, miraculous flowing power in our lives so that we can be a witness, an example, a representation. The word actually broken down is the word martyr. We can live, mm. we can live for and die for this cause because we have the power of the Holy Spirit mm. in our life. And so I want to pull from you from this mm. subject during our Revive 2020 series about really getting a revived heart and a revived life around understanding the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So help bring us along your journey. Like tell us like you okay. swum, in all, swum in all these different pools <laughs> over the years and Bring us yeah. into Rachel Hickson's story a little bit, um, and okay. then let's just, let's just talk about the work of the Holy Spirit and see where it goes. Yeah, well, I was thinking a little bit about where we've been in this whole thing of being in lockdown and COVID-19, and for us, Easter Sunday in Britain was the worst day for dying. We had the worst deaths, and yet it was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And our own Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, was fighting for his life in intensive care. And many of us in the prayer movement were saying, God, we need a resurrection. Don't let our Prime Minister die. Let him rise. And it was quite interesting that on um, April the 12th, which was Resurrection Sunday in the church calendar, Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister, got taken out of intensive care and was released from hospital. We went, whoa, we got a double resurrection. God, thank you, you're watching our nation. And I think in this time, you sort of begin to wonder what's happening. So then I began praying and I said, Holy Spirit, what do we need to watch? And he said, I want you to watch Pentecost Sunday. So I said, 
Why? He said, I want to awaken in the church a new relationship of walking with the Holy Spirit. Because when you come out of this season, you're going to need a new language. You're going to need a new power. You're going to need a new structure, a new way of working so that you can come out of the curb doing the right thing at the right time. Because this is a new day. And I'm sure many of us sense that. So many things are shut down. And I said, well, what are you doing? And God says, well, I've told you to wait. Go stay in the city, in that room, until I release you. And many of us are in lockdown. And I was just thinking about it. You see, we've, as you say, we've just done Pentecost Sunday. And what happened before Pentecost? Well, they were all on lockdown. Jesus looked at them wow. and said, hello, disciples. Go. You're on lockdown. Stay in that room and wait for a new path. And I think we've all had that sense for greater or lesser measure that we've been locked down and we've been looking inside. We've been looking outside. And those of us who know Jesus, we're saying, God, I don't want to miss an opportunity. If there's something new happening, do it in me. And we've been in a lockdown place, shut in an upper room with our family with those we like, with those we don't like. You know, the upper room, it wasn't the greatest place. But in that space, relationships get developed. You increase your prayer, you increase your devotion, you increase your connectivity. And so then we came to Pentecost Sunday and suddenly where Jesus has been saying, wait, wait. I always think it's a bit like with a puppy dog. I've had a black, um, beautiful Labrador and it's like you say wait wait and it isn't a passive if the treat is on the floor there's no way they're just chill but there's that on front foot wait wait go boom the dog has got that treat and in the same way I think it was almost in my mind that was Pentecost Sunday to me it was like Holy Spirit has been saying yeah, I've locked you all down stop whining get in that room I'm doing something in you and then it was like now nah powers come on you and I believe there's going to be the now from our governments and although we've had the church calendar Pentecost Sunday I think we're still waiting a little bit from the go from the authorities to let us go but we need to be the head and not the tail so we need to get ready for that Holy Spirit to be on us so that when we can come out those doors we come out carrying something different that's been my cry one more thought, and then maybe you can ask. I, I can preach all day, you know that. But if you want to ask me questions. But this was the other thought I thought of. New days and new wine. And then in Matthew, we're challenged. Come on, if I'm giving you new wine, don't put it in an old wineskin. Because if you put it in an old wineskin, this new wine, this new passion, you see what's being fermented, produced in that upper room. What is God doing in us all shut in our various rooms? What's happening in our marriages? What's happening in our parenting? What's happening in our family relationships? We've talked to our family, maybe Zoomed and Skype more than we normally would. We've been with our kids at our feet. I mean, I don't know about Canada, but here in the UK, we've all homeschooled and you know everyone's hopefully here too <laughs> yeah and yep. it's a challenge all of its own joys and graces and you suddenly discover oh jesus do i remember how to add up or smell and your kids are going mom that's boring and you know all you skills of trying to find all this and and suddenly it's like what 
is this about? What are you developing? That new connectivity. It's new. You know, Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Don't dwell on the former things. Don't keep looking to the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? Yeah. I'm making a path in the wilderness. Can you see it? And the answer is no. Well, yes, I can <laughs> see how my life has changed, but can I see the new structure? No. And so back to Matthew 13, where Jesus is, there's new wine. Yeah, new things are bubbling, new connects in the marriage, new car, um, parenting, new relationship, all that new wine, passions. And I don't know about you, but I've been thinking, why in the world did I do that? You know, part of a phonetic life, part of rhythms of life. You yep. begin to have a, our lockdown has been long enough for us to disconnect, reconsider about how we're going to reconnect. Because it's not just been three days, nor three weeks, six weeks, no. It's long enough to change, radically change your rhythm of life. Totally. And Holy Spirit has been in that lockdown saying, hello, watch me. You can totally. do this better. Totally. And so this new wine is bubbling. But now as we come out after Pentecost, in, in the picture of Pentecost, what is the new structure? And Jesus already warned them in Matthew 13, come on, I'm going to give you new wine, new bubbling. And you use the phrase new normal. So what is that new? Because if I'm honest, however prophetic I am, there's a sentimental part of me that likes to put it back. How am I going to reconfigure this back yeah, in my old bottles? Absolutely. <laughs> How am I going to make it work? How? I don't want church to be so radically different. I can never hug and kiss and be Jesus. I want to, in my mind, when I get out to go to church, I'm, you know, part of me is still thinking, oh, I can go back and do that. One more thought, and then you can quiz me. Yeah. So Jesus' first miracle, come on, John chapter 2. What was the first miracle Jesus did? Water to wine. Water to wine. So here we see a process. When the life of Jesus, he's just come out of the wilderness, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has had his Pentecost. Yep. He's been in the wilderness, come out with a power on him. The first miracle he does, what? No wine. Old wine. They've all been drinking old wine. The old wine runs out. There is now a season of lockdown with no wine. Wow. And so then they begin saying, ask him. He knows. And suddenly then Jesus steps in and he makes the new wine. New wine. And everyone goes, oh, wow. Where did this come from? And I feel that that is part of the Pentecost that God's wanted to do. And wow. we maybe are not aware, but the Holy Spirit has been engineering something in household after household after household. And we've been drinking the old wine and it had run out. And now Amazing. there's been a period of like almost no wine. Wow. And then suddenly Pentecost comes, the stirring of the Holy Spirit. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see it? Don't reference the old, old wineskins. I'm going to do a new thing. Pentecost falls on the church in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly they stand up with the 11. They have a new way of talking. Yep. Their language is different. They come out and they can communicate and connect. They come out, they have a new boldness. They have a new authority. They have a new ability to work miracles. I mean, even their shadows were healing the sick. Yep. There is new persecution. There's new opposition. 
but there is a greater engagement. Angels start working with them, get Peter out of prison. You know, everything is new. Yeah. By Acts chapter six, they're like, seriously, what's happened? 5,000, 3,000, so many people saved. We're overwhelmed. We have no time to read our Bibles, to pray. Yep. We're done. But because of their relationship of the upper room, so because they had stopped, yep. they knew how to talk to each other. So they just went, wait, wait, wait. We need to go back. Remember how one heart, one mind, one accord, put our heads down, pray. And then they were able to lift their heads up and say, hey, it's good to the Holy Spirit. And it's good to us. Here's the structure. Here's the new wine. So I really feel we don't have to worry if we can't see the structure. But we need to get worried if we can't feel the new wine. We've had Pentecost. Wow. God's pouring something upon us. New inspirations, stirring new desires, stirring new longings. And he says, I'm doing something new. Wow. And I'm changing the nothing. Old awesome. wine, it's gone. New wine, it's coming. Now get ready. That's amazing. I love, I love that. I, like, there's two things that really popped. I almost interrupted you, but I wanted to, like, I wanted to let you flow because I, I know how it goes. So I, I, there were so many amazing things you said. Two things that stood out to me. I've been thinking about this a lot, and it, it comes back to a dream I had. I just shared with our community just recently that I had 10 years ago, and it was all about – it was an experience. I Actually, it was that experience I had while I was in a dream, but I was – I, I was, I guess my wife, I, I was talking in my sleep and mm. I was saying this statement uh, as I woke up and I didn't know this. My wife told me after, and I said, I was saying this, I was, I was, I was pulling the bed sheets around and I was saying, we need to focus on this. We need to focus on this. We need to focus on this. And then she said to me, like she said, actually responded to me. She said, focus on what? And in my sleep, I said, the yada, the yada. The yada. And yada is a Hebrew word that we see in Proverbs 3, verse 4 and 5, where it says, you know, in all of our ways, trust in him, acknowledge him in all of our ways, acknowledge him, uh, and he'll make our path straight. That word for acknowledge is the word yada, and it, it means to put him front and center, to, for, for, to perceive uh, him in, a, in an intimate way in every journey of our life. And if we have him at the center, making the experience of him at the center, we will walk straight. And when I said the yada, the yada, the yada three times, I said then after that, I said, uh, becoming one with God, becoming one with God. You know, and we see in Genesis 4 verse 1 where it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and bore a son named Cain. This yada yeah. is, it speaks of intimacy, intimacy that births mm. something new, that Think, creates yeah. something, that multiplies something. And we see it really all throughout scripture. But um, I've been thinking a lot about this, about how the whole gospel is centered around mm. this idea that we are one with Christ. And when we let Jesus into our life, we become one with him. And it's interesting because it wasn't until they were in one accord that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And it's like yes. they were forced to deal with their, like when you're locked in and you're quarantined, <laughs> 10 yeah. days, three weeks, you know, three years, 40 years in the wilderness, when you're forced <laughs> To stay yeah. with the same people and you're on lockdown, you have no choice but to deal with your issues. And yeah. hopefully the goal of, of being forced to deal with your issues really creates restoration, reconciliation, unity. Oneness begins to happen in a whole new way. Not only do we have an opportunity in this season to become 
and, and manifest the oneness that we already mm-hmm. have with Jesus more and more as we deepen our root systems in him. But we also have an opportunity to deal with the issues that disable or inhibit our oneness with our spouses, with our children, yeah. with our parents, our friends, our neighbors, because we have nowhere mm-hmm. to go. And yes. it's funny because it wasn't until they were in one accord and had yes. oneness that then the Holy Spirit's like, I'm coming. I mean, he could have yeah. came the first day. He could have came the second day. He could have came the third day. Why did he wait? I don't know. Maybe it's because God was waiting for the disciples to get their act together, that they, would, <laughs> that they were to become one, one accord. They were, they were to become unified in spirit. They were, maybe they had to, we don't know what happened in that time as they were waiting. We don't know if they were, wrestling through relational conflict we don't know and maybe you know one of the peter was jealous of of john and <laughs> confessing his jealousy to john you know yeah. why are you the one that jesus loves and i'm the one that always gets picked on or or rebuked <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm the yeah. one hide him and and here you are the one who jesus loves you get to lay your head on the chest of jesus and then here i go the next day denying my savior i mean who knows what kind of conflict was being resolved the point is that until they were in one accord and established oneness, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I believe that we are being quarantined. And I've said this for revival. Mm. We're being quarantined for a revived spirit, soul, and body. Yes, our body's getting different type of rest. You know, having to go here and there. I mean, for us, we have four kids and we're not driving our kids all around the planet. I mean, three of Mm. my four kids all are in extreme extracurricular activities during the week. And so every night of the week, we're basically driving our kids around. So there's a now, even though it's busier in some ways, yeah, restful physically. It's different. Yeah. I'm not going to the gym at 5.30 in the morning every morning, exhausting myself because I have no gym to go to. So, yeah. so I mean, I'm <laughs> sleeping in a little longer than I would normally. So there's rest happening for the body. There is revived, a revived, I believe, a revival happening in the spirit. And there's a rejuvenation happening in the soul during this quarantine revival so Mm -hmm. that I believe we come out of this, like you said, we come out of the wilderness. Let's call the quarantine the wilderness. When he was driven by the spirit into the wilderness, Matthew 4 came out of the wilderness in the power of the the spirit. And that's what's happening. And then verse 18, he said, now he picks up the scriptures and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because I can begin to speak, communicate, etc. Yeah, it's amazing. And the other thing that you said mm. that I want—I—I'd I, love to maybe camp out for a little bit, and then you can kind of go wherever you feel you want to yeah. go. No, because I, I want to pick your brain on your journey on how the Holy Spirit has changed your life and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and what that looks like. Mm. But when you when you mentioned John two, you know, mm. one of the things I love about that that passage is the way the miracle happened when. You know, yeah. Mary, the mother of Jesus, notices we're out of wine. And, yeah. and we, we, we see nothing of really Jesus noticing that, but Mary notices no. it. Mary goes yeah. to her son, the yeah. son of God, also her son, goes to her yeah. son and says, uh, we're out of wine. And Jesus' response, I mean, yeah. even in some translations, it's, woman, what does your issue have to do with me? With Otherwise, me. Yeah. like, what, what do you expect me to do about it? Even though, like, he's fully aware he's the Messiah, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and yet he's also her son. And here he is, woman, mother, what does your issue have to do with me? And then G- Mary doesn't even acknowledge that statement, turns yes. to his disciples and says, do whatever Watch he tells it. you to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. So I feel like in that space, and you mentioned it, it's almost like, mm. it's almost like he had no choice. Cause he said his response was my time has not yet come. It come. But, there but was they some, pressed him. <laughs> but she, she pressed him. And I feel like, I feel like we're being pressed in this season yeah. to produce something that God's always wanted us to produce that maybe mm. we couldn't in the past, or maybe we felt we weren't ready for. But in this season, mm. it's almost like this season is like a, a, a forced rejuvenation, mm. a forced, uh, I, want you to re- I, I want you to come out of this stronger. A yes. forced like, step in the right direction, like Jesus. It's not, not like I'm comparing mm. ourselves to Jesus, but in a sense I am. It's like where our, our faith is being pulled on to come out yeah. of this quarantine different than when we came in. Yeah. It's like Jesus came into that situation as yes, he was fully human, but he came out of it manifesting his nature as the God man. I mm. mean, we don't have any historical data that says he was doing miracles before that, but he mm. came into that season like normal. Uh, his time had not yet come, but then came out of that moment where they ran out of wine. Like you said, it. we're in this quarantine. We've ran out of wine. But we're going to come out of this like different, more yeah. godlike in our nature, m- mirroring the image of Jesus different. And so I just, I love those two things. Those two things kind of mm-hmm. came to me as we were, as mm-hmm. you were, you were sharing. Yeah. But I want to dive more into your story. Like bring us a little bit on a journey of how the work of the Holy Spirit has impacted your life. And when you first started to get a hold of this pursuit mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit, people understand the Father. They understand yep. Jesus, but I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people across the board, generally speaking, understand the role of the Holy Spirit. So bring us along mm-hmm. your journey, spiritually speaking, mm-hmm. and any, any points or revelation that you have around yeah. the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, I think I came from a family. My dad was a Baptist pastor, so we were more a family of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Book. Wow. And so we revert, really reverence the Bible. And then my parents were missionaries in Mumbai in India. And um, my dad began to have all sorts of encounters. And he was a a pastoral man, loved people, with people who were tormented by demons, who were physically in terrible state, who had a genuine hunger for God, but seemed so confused and just unfulfilled. And so I watched my dad, I was about... 10, 11 at this time, just begin to press into God and asking, I need an answer. He went into his room and said, God, I've got, had some old wine. I've reached the stalemate. There must be more. And during those days, his pressing and hungering for God, God, dad had an encounter for three days, he says, with the love of God that poured onto him and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then as a result of this time, he then began to teach on the person of the Holy Spirit. The atmosphere in our home changed. I began to watch that there was not only just now niceties and a politeness about how nice God was, but actually you can see that God was able to do things, had a power. There was more of an executive authority. Just a question for you on that. When you say, because um, everybody's, uh, everybody's version, especially in yeah. more charismatic circles of being filled yeah. with the Holy Spirit is different. When you say your yeah. dad got filled with the Holy Spirit, what kind of 
manifestation or evidence? Was it just like he had this all of a sudden this newfound strength and peace and boldness? Was it what what happened to your dad? I'm I'm interested to know like yeah. sort of what yeah. what was it? What did it look like? Well, dad would say, I mean, because we see it in Matthew 3, I can't remember the verse, Luke 3, I think it's 16. And it says that, you know, John comes to you and says, I will baptize you in the waters of repentance. But one who is coming whose sandals are not worthy to untie, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And dad says he literally felt like he was immersed. If you take that word wow. to baptize, it is a little Greek word, baptismo. And it's interesting because it was only it was used in the everyday language it wasn't a religious term it was used by two groups of people it was used by your sailors and those with boats and it was used by those who um, worked with wool and so if you said I baptismoed my boat they baptize a boat it would mean that your boat was in a storm and that the bow of the boat was overwhelmed saturated got wow. thoroughly wet because the water came up and baptized the boat Wow. If you were working in the, in the dye industry, you'd use the word baptismo. I took that wool and I baptismoed it in red dye. Wow. What you meant is to saturate it, immerse it, thoroughly make it wet until it absorbs the very color and nature of the dye. So wow. when, when, when John is saying to the disciples, look, I'm baptized in water, but he's going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about is an experience where you are plunged, immersed, overwhelmed, saturated, impregnated with the Holy Spirit until the color instincts of your inside become the Holy Spirit you come together. So that's, my so dad's that's, that's so important because you can have the Holy Spirit in you. Yeah, but it's like almost like what happened to Mary. It's the Holy Spirit overshadows us. You. It like totally submerses us, and we actually begin to totally look different. Like, yeah, it's not just I'm different by faith. It's all of a sudden how I would look at it is like when someone's baptized in the Spirit, overwhelmed and overflowing in the Spirit, people notice. It's like you said it. Oh like yeah, you you noticed it affected your family. It wasn't just like oh yeah. they believed in God. They believed in Jesus as Lord. All of a sudden now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like he was white wool and now he's pink wool. Like it's been, yeah. the color has changed. The visibility has changed. That's kind of what, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really believe that when we get born again as a child of God, the spirit of God comes into our being. And Ephesians 1 talks about the guarantee seal witness, the inner witness that cries within us, I'm a child of God. I'm daddy's boy. I'm daddy's girl. So when we're born again, we are born of the spirit of God and he is the seal guarantee within. But then the Bible talks very clearly about the spirit of God that comes upon, overshadows like Mary, or baptizes, immerses us, and then comes through. So the spirit within, the spirit upon, and then the spirit through. I think Pentecost is where the spirit comes upon and then begins to come through us and our mouth becomes a conjuring for the very mouth of the Holy Spirit to speak. So we use the gifts and the tools of the Holy Spirit so that we don't just speak a good idea, we speak a God idea. Oh, and actually good. that's creative power and that can actually change the circumstances. And that's what happened with my dad. He, he described 
three days when he was in his bed praying and he said it was literally like he got soaked he said he wow. felt first he was rolled back and forth and it was literally he said it wasn't himself moving but he felt himself being rolled and he said he knew that was shaking some of his stubbornness and intellectual pride he said the second day he cried like a baby he said he knew that was his heart softening to receive the true wow. revelation of the love of god the third day he said he just began to talk and blubber and and he realized that he was now speaking in the mysteries of heaven and awesome. god had taken over his mouth and began to use his mouth firstly to speak in the gift of tongues which is a devotional language where we commune with the holy spirit yep. and then later he powerfully used my dad's mouth to be a tool to teach to train and educate many wow. people in the love of god well so you saw that growing up and then that that shifted the dynamics, probably the vibe, the energy in your home. And then totally. what, what was your journey like now? You know, you, you had the privilege of like witnessing like around the world with Reinhard Bonnke, crazy miracles, signs and wonders. And obviously the work of the Holy Spirit's very obviously mm -hmm. evident in those scenarios. Yes. And you're an intercessor in this, in this context and yes. part of the prayer team and your husband's leading the charge on coordinating and, and all this different stuff so tell us about like some of that journey and how the holy spirit impacted you and how you begin to see the value in in the relational side of connecting with holy spirit specifically yeah. and how that changed the game for you tell us about that well i think that holy spirit lives in you and of course, as his life then comes through you his character then comes and we often think of the character love joy peace kindness that's the character but what I began to learn working with, with Reinhard Bonker is the Holy Spirit also has a toolbox of gifts. And these are supernatural gifts which are given into our hands where we can work with the Holy Spirit to get a job done. So yes, the Holy Spirit is upon us, but then he graces us. And it says in you know, 1 Corinthians 4 that there is a variety of gifts and there is grace measures given to us. That's favor gifts. And I've just felt, even at this time, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, come on church, I've got a toolbox. You're coming into a whole new day. There's a whole new horizon there. Stop panicking. I know exactly what to do. I'm not worried about new. In fact, I believe heaven loves the new. If you look at Revelation 21, you know, part of the anthem of heaven is, behold, I make all things new. So even when we get to heaven, we better get used to the idea of new normal. Heaven's Absolutely. always in the new. Yep. And so in, with Reinhardt, he taught me the simple thing. I remember him looking at me one day and saying, Rachel, hear the word. Just do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Now go. Wow. And, I, Love it. and it was learning to lean. So prayer what is prayer prayer is learning to talk with the holy spirit you know we never feel that we're very good at it romans 8 26 says you know do not don't worry that is an area of weakness but don't be concerned because the holy spirit himself will help you and so we talk to god god talks to us in mysteries the holy spirit interprets heavenly mysteries to us and begins to give us indicators and then we look at this toolbox and I always say there's nine basic groups. There's three that communication, gift of tongues. That's, that's to help me communicate with heaven. Because heaven wants to give me mysteries 
gift of interpretation. That is so I can take the mystery of heaven and make it English or for you French and English or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then prophecy, that is to foretell, call forth, speak the dreams of God. He gives us three communication tools. Then he gives us three revelation tools. He says, come on, word of knowledge. Come on, you need some wisdom here. How are you going to turn this company around? How are you going to bring it out of recession? What wow. are you going to do after lockdown? You need some wisdom. Daniel was a man who carried wisdom. Solomon, you know, when the women came with the babies and, you know, I what did you do? Horrible thing to no, say. Not a good idea. Yeah. Word of wisdom. Yeah. This is how we solve it and still keep life intact. Word of knowledge. Looking back discerning of spirits is this a demonic thing or is it an angelic thing so we get gifts of revelation and then then the final group of three is the power gifts the gift of faith and you know that isn't believing faith you know i believe in god it's not credo it isn't that basic belief um it's given in a measure it's a gift of faith i've yeah. watched it there was a pastor friend of mine and um he was quite conservative quite rational processing etc but then he received a prophetic speaking communication the holy spirit come, spoke to him said buy this land and you will build a building wow and this man who was very conservative a bit frightened of risk etc i watched the gift of faith fall on him he wow. suddenly took up an offering took up an incredible offering and then despite all the opposition etc he knew God had given him that land and he was going to build a church. And he, that church is built today. It is fabulous. It is incredible. But wow. he just could see it. He heard it, believed it, built a gift of faith to build a building. And I believe that God wants to give some of those power tools. You know, there's, there's a Holy Spirit toolbox and you say, come work with me. Wow. Then, of course, there's the working of miracles. What's that? Well, I remember being with Jackie Pullinger at Christmas Day, and she gave me this huge turkey, and I was carving it. In the end, I had cramped all the way up my shoulder and arms. I was thinking, dear Jesus, I need, what is with this turkey? And then suddenly I realized it was a miracle. I had been carving the same turkey for over two hours. Wow, so multiplication of food. People. Yeah, and then awesome. Jackie came to me and said, don't you need more food? I'm sorry, no turkeys have come, but we've just had four delivered. Do you need a new one? And literally at that moment, I carved and got to bone and gristle. I said, it's just run out. Wow. I mean, how does God do wow. that? That Amazing. is a miracle. It's when you look at the fuel gauge and you know it's empty and you still drive another 200 kilometers. Gifts of miracles. And then, of course, gifts of healing. And so I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, you're going to come out. I want to put new power on you. I've got a toolbox. You don't have to do this new season alone. Learn how to use the hammer, the screwdrivers, the wrenches, the power tools that I've got. Why are you still trying to do it all by hard labor? I've got incredible power tools that can get this job done. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Learn. And so to me, working with Reinhard Bonker, it was like I just suddenly had my eyes. I thought, you know, I've watched tormented people. I've sat with them and stroked them and tried to help them. And dear Reinhardt would come and say, in the name of Jesus, we come against every spirit of alcohol. We break the curse that has gripped your life. And in Jesus' name, now, you tormenting spirit of alcohol, set him free. Wow. He'd cough and splutter, come to his right man, and we'd hear the story that he had 
suddenly the smell of alcohol made him throw up and he was delivered. Wow. I, I thought I like that toolbox. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. You know, and you said something that sparked sort of what I've always heard it said like, and one of the guys that mentored me and poured into my life early on in my journey always likened the, the, you know, being, being um, transformed uh, by the power of the spirit and being baptized by the power of the spirit. He likened it always to like, you can rake the lawn with a rake or mm. you can blow the leaves with a leaf blower. And when mm. you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like the tools you're talking about, yeah. like all of a sudden yeah. it's like the power tools. It's like, you can have the tools, the, the analog, or you can have the digital. You can yeah. have the old school or you can have the new school, the old wine yeah. versus the new wine. It's almost like before we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and know him in this way, mm. it's like we're, we are drinking the old wine and it's, yeah. the old wine's okay, but the new yeah. wine is even better. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, like your taste buds, like if you've ever had like really yeah. good wine, it's like your taste buds go off the charts, right? It's a different, it's a different dynamic, a different way. Yeah. And so, I want to spontaneously ask you, I don't, you're probably not prepared for yeah. this, but I want to ask you, like, bring me into, if you, if you can, what was one of the most powerful Holy Spirit encounters that you have had that had, has marked you that, that was, became a pivot in your life that said, you know what? I am like all in, I'm never going back. Like the relational side of me knowing the Holy Spirit, getting to know Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Like, share, can you share with us one of the most powerful milestone moments that just, that was a pivot, marked you mm. in your journey? Yeah, well, there's been several. That's always hard. There was one when I was 17, um, which is mostly the one I'm gonna share. There was one when I was 24, when I nearly died and got my life back. And there was one when I was 30, when I came back to live in Britain and God spoke to me about my nation, but I'm gonna share the 17 year old one. You see, I'd grown up in India and just returned to Britain and I had become very, very cautious. I had met the Holy Spirit and been baptized when I was 10 years old. Through my teenage years, I'd really spoke- Baptized in water? Yeah, baptized in water okay. and then the Holy Spirit okay. when I was 10 years old. And um, then I had worked with our, um, went back to my boarding school because my parents were missionaries. And in my boarding school, I was bullied, mercilessly went through a really hard time. There was a lot of mocking and joking about being the devil's kid because I spoke the devil's language wow. and all this sort of stuff. So I just took, because I was a bit too passionate out there and I just suddenly decided it was much better to make Jesus a very private thing. And just, I was fairly intelligent. I did fairly well in class. I love science. And so I just discovered going to the library, studying hard in the library. You've always got a teacher in the library so no one can bully you. And so it became a safe place. It wasn't so much I love the work, but I just loved getting away from right. the bullying. And so by the time I was 15, 16, I'd become fairly recluse, believe it or not, shut in fearful and i just decided go into science it was interesting how we started you know go into the cerebral stay in the safe place tick all the boxes everyone says you're such a good girl rachel you're just high scoring student and keep away from the people who made fun of me and created my safe space 
Then I finished my school in India and I was sent home to Britain. And during this time, there was a summer camp. And we went up to this summer camp. I was with the young people in the church. I was still fairly on the outside, kept myself to myself, very low trust of people. And there was this preacher and he just preached on the power and the grace of God and the kingdom of God. His name was Ern Baxter. I don't know if you know him, but he was just... I've not really come across him, but he just stood up and preached on the kingdom of God and how we can carry the power of the Holy Spirit and how he was looking for vessels and people. And he finished with that passage of scripture in John 6, you know, the little boy with his loaves and two fish. And I felt like that poor little Indian kid who was now living in Britain, didn't really fit in, third culture kid, that felt awkward and out. And I thought, well, maybe God could use my lunch. Wow. And I stood up. It makes you cry. It's funny. Wow. And I stood up. But part of his message had been about forgiveness and about getting hold of those things that you had allowed to snare and trap you and tie you down. And I had become so fearful. I had become, you know, to the point where I'd had no real relationships. I'd actually met Gordon, who's my husband now, nearly married 40 years. But I was like, a prickly porcupine, he even tried to come near me. I said, nobody likes me, get away from me, leave me alone. I had the wow. biggest defenses wow. that I could possibly have. And I remember Max was saying, if you want to be a carrier of the Holy Spirit, stand up. I was most people one of the first. And for me, I should think people who knew me were quite shocked because I responded to nothing. I stood, and I can remember standing and sobbing and sobbing. As God just brought pictures to my mind of people who had really bullied me, hurt me, painful memories and stuff. And I just said, okay, God, I let it go. It's not worth it. I let it go. It's not worth it. And then I just remember feeling this incredible sense of burning power come all the way through me and stop on my mouth. And my mouth burned and burned and burned. And it was as if God said to me, now, Rachel, Will you open your mouth and start talking? Come out of your lockdown. Wow. Come out of your fear. I want to use you. And I remember that day, my mouth burnt and my hands burnt. And I said, okay, God, if you would have me, please use me. Wow. And that changed my life around. Wow. That's pow- I can feel like the weight of, mm. of what you're saying, like in a really powerful way, just as we're talking here, I just feel the, yeah. the awareness of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's amazing. And you had another you had another encounter. I mean, one of the things I love about the Holy Spirit is that, you know, it's, it, he, he really reveals the supernatural side. I mean, Jesus is supernatural. Yeah. He really opens the doorway to a mm. whole new dimension of supernatural experience and healing yeah. is one of those experiences. And I remember you, you sharing a long time ago, but a healing that you had because you got, you, you had some sort of accident where, were you not yeah. in a wheelchair or something? Can you share that? Like, because I know yeah. that this kind of connects to all these things in your life contribute to realizing mm-hmm. the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and the value for the Holy Spirit in our life. Yeah. Well, I think, and that has been quite powerful. I was 24 years old. It was 1984. And we were in Africa, just begun working with Reinhard Bonker. We've been there six weeks. And we were coming home from one of the, Um, campaigns and just walking into our house and as we walked in there was a massive car accident just on the road where we lived 
And so my background, as I said, clinical biochemist, I've done quite a bit of first aid and other training because I worked in a hospital. So I felt a sense of responsibility. So I turned around, went to the road, and there was a man that had got horrible impact injuries where the steering wheel had gone into his chest. So I began helping. As I was helping, another vehicle driven by a drunk driver came into this road accident and sandwiched me between the car, took me down the road about 40, 50 meters, and um, everything from my hips to my ankles was smashed as the bumper of the car went into me and I broke my legs very badly. Wow. I was taken into the African hospital. And um, unfortunately, because my bones had been broken so badly, the fat tissue in the bones got into my bloodstream and up into my brainstem. And I was in a coma for five days. Wow. And um, they expected me to die. In fact, my parents came out from England and they were told, you know, be ready to arrange a funeral, collect her body because she's got multi-fat embolisms into her brain and this will kill her. And so everyone was praying. My husband Gordon was praying, my parents prayed. And my dad, gift of faith, he just walked in and he said, I knew it wasn't time for you to die. And he stood at the end of my bed and he quoted Psalm 118, 18, 19. He said, Rachel, you will not die, but I declare to you, you will live. And you will declare the word of the Lord. Wow. For the Lord has chastened you severely, but you have not been given over to death. In fact, it's interesting telling that story. You see, it was about my mouth again. You will declare. Wow. It was almost going back to that 17 years old when the Holy said, I want your mouth. And here, my dad stood and he picked up the verse and you will declare, and you will declare, and you will declare. Within five hours, although I'd been in a coma and I had no response, they couldn't get any brain activity. They had taken me off every support system and just said, you know, we expected to die tonight. But during that night, I didn't die. I woke up and that morning I woke up totally able to communicate and talk. My brain was totally healed. Wow. God gave me my life back. It's amazing. And because I think it, it ties in really well with what we're talking about, because you mentioned earlier on where your dad had mm. an overwhelming baptism in the spirit experience for three days. Yeah. And here he is speaking mm. from that place. He himself has been revived Awakened yes. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now he's used your father standing at the foot of your bed and he's he's speaking to you. So you have a revived life. It's our subject. Yes. It's like your life yeah. comes out of the coma. You have a revived life. And it's all because your dad in faith, impacted, overwhelmed, powerful man of God. Now he's got this faith to believe mm. the work of the Holy Spirit is present in his life. And here he is now you are your revived life is a byproduct of the work of the yeah. Holy Spirit in his life. And so we just see over and over again the, the value of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And, you know, I know it says in the latter part, I think it's the last chapter, I believe it's chapter 15 of 2 Corinthians, the last chapter, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and he kind of closes, he closes it off. He closes his letter off by saying, may the love of God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. be with you all. And that, when you break that word communion down, one of the, when the, in the Webster's dictionary, it actually says 
uh, it says social intercourse, that the kind mm. of communion that we are to have with the Holy Spirit is this deep, intense, mm. intimate type of conversation that actually mm. produces something. It's kind of like the, the, the whole, the thing I referenced earlier in Genesis 4, verse 1, the yada, and Adam yada. knew yeah. yada and his wife Cain, and they, they produced a son named Cain, or they no, knew his wife Eve and produced a son named Cain. It's almost like that. It's like we are to have this intimacy, this through communion with the Holy Spirit that produces something, that produces revived life, that produces, you know, miracles, that produces faith, mm. that produces moments like you're having of deliverance mm. when you're, you know, you're encountering the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden God's bringing you back to all those times you were bullied and he's delivering you. He's touching yes. your mouth. And it's like, th this is the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And this is what we're, we're talking about. And I know there are people that are watching right now that maybe feel like they're at the edge, like you were before, mm. you know, before you had that moment when you were 17 or or before, yeah. you know, your dad had his moment. Maybe they believe in God, but they haven't had that encounter. And it was like Father, Son, and Holy Word, like you said. But, but yeah. Holy Spirit wasn't a part. I mean, we know this. The Holy Spirit is is just as much of part of the Godhead as Jesus and the Father. They're one. It's like the Son. The Son is one. It's like mm -hmm. God, but it has light. Light is like Jesus, and the heat you feel is like the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. They're all one and the same, but there's different expressions or attributes or components to each member of the Godhead, but they're one. It's like us, you know, we are body, soul, and spirit. Without one, we are not one. Without the soul, we are not one anymore. Without the spirit, we are, we all three make one, make us who we are. And I feel like there are many people out there watching right now, or that will watch this, that need this like revived life in this season that are are searching for truth, are searching for something to fill the void. Maybe they're going to alcohol in this season. Maybe they're going to mm. drugs or other, you know, addictions to satisfy their the void they feel. Maybe they're 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 suffering with insecurity and fear and yeah. whatever the case may be, they're trying to fill that void. Maybe they're binge watching movies all the time because they want to escape reality when really they need new life. They they've been living in a coma, spiritual coma for days like you were they've been living in a spiritual mm. you know paralysis for years and mm. and what we're talking about today has the ability to wake them up from that paralysis yes. wake them up from the spiritual coma and i wonder there's people that are watching that don't know jesus that don't know what would happen to them if they were to die today they're on a journey they're searching or those that are new as believers and they're new on this journey and i i wonder if you would just share a little bit and just help help give them an opportunity to come into this new life with Jesus first, but then ultimately to, to a revived life and that the Holy Spirit would move in. And then I want to invite you just to minister, pray and prophesy if you have a yeah. word and just speak over those that are listening and those that will watch this later. Wonderful. Well, you were talking about the Trinity and it's really interesting. So how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, we re if you read in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it's really interesting. It talks and it says, you know, if you who are fathers, who are everyday fathers on earth, you have a basic intentional attitude to give good gifts to your children. And it says, well, the heavenly father is like you. And if you want the Holy Spirit, it said that the heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And you see, these things don't just pounce on you, fall on you. 
The Father in heaven has got a gift for you and he wants to gift you the Holy Spirit, but he's waiting for you to ask him. And we need to ask. And I believe we ask. And then, as I already mentioned in Matthew 3 and Luke 3, 16, it says, you know, and Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. So he'd got God the Father saying, I've got a gift. I want to gift you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, I want to immerse you, submerge you in the Holy Spirit. I want you to be absolutely sure that you've got a paracletus, a helper to walk life on earth with you. And they're working together to make sure that you do life well. And so how do we do it? We ask our Father in heaven. And he then says, come on, Jesus, baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Make sure they get thoroughly immersed, saturated. The Holy Spirit gets right through them so that they can come out of their lockdown with a new power, new language, new authority, new boldness, new ability to do life well. And make sure you teach them about the toolbox so that they're not trying to do life well, but they have a new power to execute what they want to do. So how do you do? You ask. So maybe you just need to take a moment. It was like me as a 17 year old standing there as that preacher challenged me. It broke through all my natural insecurities and it woke something up inside me. It was like, I want this. And I stood up and I'm sure everyone thought, why? But something in me was shouting, yes, this is for me. And you, right now, you can be listening to this. You haven't missed your moment. There is something that God wants to speak to you. He wants to wake you up. He wants to immerse you in something new. So the body, mind, soul, being, you begin to think like you want to think and do what you know you should be doing. But it starts with you. You need to ask. So we just want to give you a moment. And it's as simple as this. Father. I want to ask you, please give me your Holy Spirit. It's no more complicated than that. It's a cry from thee. Jesus, will you baptize me, immerse me, saturate me with your Holy Spirit? And if you are echoing that, I believe right now the power of the Holy Spirit is invading your life right now. It will overcome every stronghold of your mind. Just like I found as that 17 year old, it broke my fears. It broke all my mental health issues of insecurity. It reversed so many curses. It enabled me to forgive when actually I wanted to retaliate. It changed it and shifted so much stuff. So come Holy Spirit. Just say that. Come, Holy Spirit, into my life. Come upon me. Come, fill me. Come, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. But maybe before you even ask for the Holy Spirit, you need to give your life to God. You see, the Bible says no one comes into this life without coming first to the Father. And then Jesus, who is the forgiver, and then the spirit. Remember I said that the spirit then comes to live inside you, to set off a little alarm said, remember, your daddy's girl. Remember, your daddy's boy. 
And so the first part is actually you giving your life. Maybe you need to do that first. So if you're listening and you're not really sure where God is in your world right now, maybe you're in lockdown with hell. You're just shut in. You can't have any other vision of hope. Your marriage isn't doing great. Your parenting's not doing great. Your work's not doing great, but you don't have hope because Jesus isn't with you in lockdown. Well, ask him. He will come. And it says that Jesus stands and he knocks. And maybe he's knocking on your door of your lockdown life and he's saying, can I come help you? He doesn't come to show you all everything you've done wrong. He comes in to show you how you can upgrade your life and begin to do it right. We need to just say, I need help. So I want to pray this prayer with you first, if you need Jesus. And it's very simple. It's just an asking prayer. But I wonder if you want to change your life around, to have a turnaround right now. Pray this prayer with me. Father, today, I ask that you will help me. Jesus, I can hear you knocking on my life. Jesus, I feel lonely and I feel overwhelmed and I need help. So right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Come and help me make right choices. Come and help me live a life that is right. And God, I am sorry where I have made wrong choices. God, I am sorry where I have done the wrong things. And God, I want to stop. So will you help me? Jesus, come into my life and help me do it well. Let the Holy Spirit come into my heart and speak, I am a child of God. And Father, receive me. And everyone said, Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, then the Spirit has come into you and he's saying, you're a child of God. Daddy loves you. You're not alone. I'm with you. And you have become born again of a new spirit. And then you can look up to heaven and say, now, Daddy, give me the Holy Spirit. Give me all your power tools. I want a fast track out of my world where I've been stuck. And God will hear your cry and he will answer you. So just receive and take a few moments. Just breathe in deep. And let him fill you. Breath of God, fill us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, thank you so much. That was, uh, that was amazing. And uh, I know many people right now watching and that well, we'll watch this later mm -hmm. are encountering and experiencing the, the love, power of God in their lives right now. Maybe for the first time, second time, third time, thousandth time, I don't know. <laughs> but I know God is working. I know the Holy Spirit is working in so many people's lives and just believing that the Holy Spirit's going to continue in all yes. of you that are watching, that he's going to continue to work the thing that he wants to work in you and out of you in this season, that you will come out of this season stronger like we've been declaring better, bigger in so many areas in your spirit that 
that your strength and your roots would get so strong in this season, allowing you to grow up into the fruitful tree you were always created to be. And so we're excited. So I want to say a special thank you to you, Rachel Hickson, all the way from Oxford, England. We're so thankful that you joined us today. And I know so many people were touched by it. Thankful for it. Please check out Rachel's website, her ministry, all her information is on the screen. Visit her website, buy some of her resources. She's an incredible individual. Support her any way that you can. And uh, yeah, before you tune out Kingdom Culture and all those that are watching, check out this last video to close out this Sunday, the day, this last Sunday after Pentecost. We love you and we will see you soon. God bless you.